This morning we continue in the series we're calling Blueprint, and we're thinking about a plan for the church. What does it mean to be the church? And what did God set out when He said, I want a people in my name to, to be called together, to worship, to serve, all those things. And, and Paul sets so much of that out in what we call the book of Ephesians, which in, is a letter in many ways, also in some ways a handbook for early church life. And we've been looking at this writing and learning from it what it means to be the church. And last week I sort of began talking about some purpose issues for the church. Why are we here? Why did God call us into existence? What do we do as the church? And today I want us to extend that a little bit in a second message, thinking some more about what it means to be the church and what our purpose is as the church. You know, as I was thinking about this message, I began to think about the, the stuff that I keep in my pockets. Like you, I, I keep some stuff in my pockets, and it's usually the same wallet, pen, keys, chapstick, some business cards, my phone, nail clippers, and, and I usually keep a pocket knife in my pocket as well, a small one. It's handy to have because if you want to open a letter or a box or there's something else that needs to be cut, it's right there and I always miss it if I don't have it. But, you know, I also tend to use it a little bit as a multi-purpose tool. You know, in a pinch, it can be a screwdriver or it can be a really small pry bar as well. The problem with all that is if you use it for purposes that were not intended Sometimes you end up with a knife that doesn't have a point on it anymore, right? Because you break it off, or it's twisted, or mangled, or something. And I've done that too many times in the past. You know, we're a little bit like that too. If we use ourselves, our minds, our bodies, our lives, for purposes that God did not intend we can do damage to ourselves. You know, as part of the study, we've been thinking about, about what, what we're called to do as human beings and the fact that God created us to bear His image, to reflect His glory. We were created in the image of God for a reason so that when people around us saw who we are, they would see God. That's our purpose. That's what we're called to do. But sometimes we get distracted from that purpose, don't we? Sometimes we end up pursuing other things, maybe because we think they're important, okay? Or maybe because they give us pleasure, or maybe because there's something that we're going to get in return that we really, really want. And, and it may not be what God wants, but we want it, and we get distracted. And when we do that, we use ourselves, our lives, our bodies, our minds, everything about us, for unintended purposes, and we get ourselves in trouble. And that has an impact on church life. We're going to get there eventually, but it's going to take us a little bit. And I want us to begin, today we're looking at the first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2. I actually want us to begin at the end of this passage, because at the end, Paul sets out one of the, real, the really important purposes for church life, and then he tells us what happens if we get that corrupted back at the beginning of the chapter. So let's begin in Ephesians 2, verse 10. Paul says this, For we are God's handiwork. Sometimes that's translated God's craftsmanship. I've trans seen it translated God's masterpiece. At its core, it just simply means this, 
We are what God has made. Now that doesn't sound as poetic, does it? But it's what it means. And at its heart, that matters. We are made by God. Okay? You and all the people that you can look around and see in this room were created by God. Made by Him. Okay? For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus, and here's the purpose, to do good works. We were created to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Literally, it says we are called to walk the path of good works. Okay? Think about that. That means lifelong. That's not like, okay, we do a good work and then we're done for a while and I can check that off. No, it means this is the path that we're walking. We're doing good works, good stuff, things that, that are positive for the people around us, positive for our life, that reflect the image of God, that allow us to bear God's image to the people around us. That's our purpose, to do those good works. And God, God had them in mind before we were even born, before He created us, before we were His craftsmanship. God already knew all the stuff that we could do. God laid that out from the beginning. Okay, So there's the purpose Good works. What happens when we don't pursue that purpose? Let's back up to verse 1 and we'll see. Paul says this. As for you, you were dead. It's strong. It's tough to hear. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Paul says, listen, it's easy to get distracted from the real purpose. And you know what we call that? We call that sin and transgression. Okay? At its heart, sin is, okay, God commanded this, we did something else. God said, don't do this, we did it anyway. Okay, that's sin and transgression. But I think Paul's taking a larger view of that even and saying, you were created for a purpose, and when you decide to use yourself, your body, your life, your mind, all that stuff for something else, that's sin. It's also idolatry. Because instead of using what we have to worship God, to bear His image, we're using it for another purpose. And Paul says that leads to death. You were dead in your transgressions. The ultimate sort of robbing of our humanness is death. Paul says as we take those things that we were not meant to do, they take something from us. And it's just what Satan wants, right? He says, the, the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the tempter, the accuser, wants to distract us from bearing the image of God. The last thing that Satan wants is for us to show people who God is. And when he can distract us from doing that, it causes other people problems, and it robs us of what we were intended to be. It takes something of who we are. And the ultimate result of that is death. And so we were dead in our sins and transgressions because of instead of following the intended purpose for our lives, we allowed Satan to lead us astray. Verse 3, 
All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Paul reminds us there that it is body and mind, okay? It's not just our body. Our minds get us in trouble too. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This is not a pretty picture that Paul paints at the beginning of this passage. That over and over we seem to be distracted from what really counts, from the purpose that God put within us. And instead of following God's plan, we say, I think I know better. I think I know what will make me happy. I think I know what will fulfill my desires. And, and again, we get in trouble with both our minds and our bodies. We can think of the stuff that we can accomplish, the stuff that seems important to me, and we begin pursuing it. And we, we allow our desires to get us in trouble as well. And again, Paul says what this does is it slowly separates us from God until the point that we are deserving of wrath. Now, it's never that God wants us to receive wrath, that God is just excited about punishing us. That's not the God that we see in Scripture. In fact, Scripture says God so loved the world, right? Not so hated the world. He loved us. And that's why we can come to verse 4. We've got this picture of sin and death and wrath. And then Paul says, but. And we have this huge transition in the, the tone and the direction of this passage. But because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. What a great passage that is. We were dead in our sins. He reminds us again. But God, because He loves us, offered us life. Now, the first time, for, there's two times in this short passage where Paul reminds us that we have been saved by grace. We're going to come to the second one in just a minute. But it's really important enough that he almost says the exact same words twice in just a few verses. And this passage has sort of forced me over the past couple weeks as I've been studying this, and I'm still working on this, to be honest with you, to rethink how I understand the concept of grace. Grace is a, is a word that I've thrown around in 25 years of preaching countless times, okay? But I think I've almost always used it, at least in my head, as something that means basically the same thing as forgiveness. So if someone does me a wrong, all right, I show them grace, and by that I mean I, <clears throat> I forgive them. I give them a second chance. For me, that was, that was grace. Now, I believe grace does involve forgiveness, and at the beginning of the verse... You see, he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, and that's very similar to grace, where we're offering mercy, we're forgiving over and over again. Okay, that's part of grace. But I think Paul is painting a bigger picture here. That we were dead in our transgressions. We had given up our true purpose. We had given up our basic humanness, and we were headed for death. And we deserved wrath. But because God loves us so completely, 
God had a way, a plan of redeeming us, of saving us. We talked about that word redemption in the series already, buying us back. God had a plan for saving us from our own mistakes. And even though we were nearly dead, He offers us life. And grace at its heart is the offer of that salvation, that redemption, that new life, all those things tied together. Now, the only way we could receive that gift is if we were forgiven, right? If we're forgiven for all the ways that we sort of gave up our true purpose and chose to do what God had told us not to do and didn't do things that God called us to do, all that is involved in grace, but grace is even bigger than that. It's the offer, the gift of new life, salvation, redemption, all that tied together. That's a big concept, and it's more than just forgiveness. Though forgiveness is inherently involved. It can't be separated. So God's made that offer to you and to me of new life. He repeats that same message Paul does in verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved. But then he adds to that through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Grace is a gift, okay? The word means gift. And you can't earn a gift, right? You don't, you don't earn a birthday present. You don't earn a Christmas present. Someone offers it to you. And you know, lots of us, we're not too excited about someone giving us something and, well, we, you know, we, we don't want to be beholden. We want to pay our way and... Paul says there's no way. Sorry. You can't be good enough. You can't cover up all the stuff that you want to cover up. It is not you. It is all God. And so when we come together on a day like today or any other day, we come together on the level playing field because every single one of us was dead in our transgressions. And none of us could earn our way back to life. It is a gift of God that He has offered to you. New life, redemption, salvation that God gives to each one of us. And so after getting all that in our head, this sense of death and sin and wrath and then New life, grace, forgiveness, mercy, salvation, redemption. We come back to verse 10 where we started, but we've learned something since then. And Paul says this. Remember what he said. For we are God's handiwork. We are what God has made. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So the good works, they don't get us anything, do they? The good works are not about getting something from God. God's already given us everything we could need. God's given us more than we deserve. And so we're not doing it somehow to earn God's favor. Instead, the good works that we were created to do, 
they're a, they're a response to all God has already done. And what strikes me in this passage is that when we come down to the end of this, this section, it's all in the plural, for we are God's handiwork. And God prepared those things in advance for us to do. You know, all the way through the book of Ephesians, Paul is talking to the church. And so even though in some ways this group of ten verses is very personal, because we're thinking about me and my relationship with God and the forgiveness, salvation, and new life that God offers to me through grace, Paul is talking to a group of Christians. You see, in the life of the early church, there was never this sense of, Christians as independent agents doing their own thing. They wouldn't have thought of a Christian apart from the church. If you were a Christian, you were a part of the community. And so as we come together, as people who were dead and are now alive, people who have been offered grace, new life, forgiveness, salvation, and redemption, we come together and we're called to a purpose, to do good works. And so for me, this passage teaches us this simple lesson, that grace calls us to be a community of service. Grace calls us into a community of service, of good works, of doing something that matters. God created you with a purpose in mind. Some of these good works, some of this service, man, it might be big stuff. And it might not be. It might be regular, everyday things that just need to be done for the people around us, the people maybe even that we love the most. God has called us into a community of service. To serve each other and to serve our community around us. To serve the world. How do we do that? Three things that I think we need to keep in mind. First of all, to accept accept God's grace. Now, we have to take a step back from that and recognize we need God's grace, right? We need to admit, hey, I'm a sinner. I am deserving of death and wrath and all those things we talked about at the beginning of the passage. If I need that, then I have to say, God, God, this great gift that you've offered me, I really want to accept this offer of grace and forgiveness and salvation and redemption. Accept that gift. Sometimes that's hard to do. Because we're very aware of our own sin. And we wonder how God could possibly forgive it. Maybe forgive it again. It seems like we don't deserve it. Guess what? We don't. But God does it anyway. And then allow for God's leading. Maybe you have to be honest and say, you know, I don't know when I've depended on God's leading for a long time. Because I've been sort of going my own way. I've chosen my path. And maybe you recognize that it leads to sin and transgression and death and wrath. But God has these good works prepared for you and for us as a church prepared in advance for us to do. God God already has this set up. All we've got to do is walk the path that God's called us to walk. And some of it's really not that hard, right? 
I mean, we're having a food drive next Sunday. That's pretty easy. But we know the food pantry's in need in town. We know these are the things that they need. There's a list laying on the table back over here. That's a good work that God's prepared in advance for us to do. Sometimes it's more challenging. Sometimes it costs more than that. Sometimes we'll have to sacrifice. And you know what? It may feel like we're not getting a lot in return. And that's okay. Because we're not doing it to get something from God. We're doing it because of all God has done for us already. And then finally, seek community. As I said, the early church never thought of Christians sort of outside of the church. It was always in community. But that's the way we see it over and over. That's the way Paul writes. He's in the plural throughout this passage. It is always we and us. The church is a community. And grace calls us into that community of service. We come together because we are all forgiven, because we've all been given this gift of new life. We are a new life kind of people. And so we need each other. You know, it is, to me, it is easier to serve when I'm serving with other people. It is easier to, to get out of my comfort zone when I've got you with me. I think that's part of the reason God's called us to do this together. And because we help each other, we bring different things to the table. We need each other, and we need each other to fulfill the call that God has on our lives, to be bearers of His image, and to do good works. So together, let's be this community that grace has called us into, to be a people of service so that we can, we can bear the image of God, reflect His glory, to the people around us. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for this gift of grace that we've talked about today. And God, we know that and we just didn't deserve it. But we're thankful that we can look forward to eternal life with you because of it. God, make us alive in this life. Enliven us through your spirit so that we recognize the purposes that you placed on our lives, the things that you prepared in advance for us to do. Help us to be your people in this community and throughout the world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe today you know it's time to receive this gift that we've been talking about. And if you're ready to do that, we'd love to walk you through the steps of faith and repentance and baptism. If you've made that decision, let us know. Come forward as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.